Hello, Canada, and welcome to another Canadian Common Sense Rant. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony. Hello Canada, it's Tony here. Today's date is June 17th, 2020. So today let's talk a little bit about systemic racism. Lewis and I spent half of our show Monday actually talking about systemic racism, some different examples of some encounters with RCMP, and just like the term systemic racism itself, it was really difficult for us to determine if some of the videos we discussed were a result of racism or were just a result of people being jerks. And the term systemic racism is, in my opinion, deliberately vague and potentially all-encompassing, which is something that those on the left side of the political spectrum tend to relish. They tend to like to use these vague generalities because then they can play gotcha as soon as you say something that they believe offends this vague generality. So it's difficult to to describe systemic racism. I mean, there are so many, diff many different examples that can come just from pop culture and just from society in general that you could easily hook into that label. So I thought what I would try to do is take a couple of things I have read and heard from two different people that I admire and sort of try to utilize those to come up with some kind of, if not definition, at least something that kind of leads us closer to at least attempting to define systemic racism. All right, so person number one that I admire would be my intelligent co-host Lewis, who on our show on Monday had, had said that, you know, which is what should be a pretty obvious definition of systemic racism is that implies that the system itself, you know, it has racist elements to it. And that, you know, and of course the system, again, a vague overarching generality, but we can kind of hone that a little bit if we go to Another person whom I admire a lot, which is Toronto Sun journalist Brian Lilly, who had said, if we fire the government tomorrow, the permanent government, a.k.a. the bureaucrats that they have hired to do their bidding, are still in place. And they're, you know, the unelected bureaucrats. And it's those bureaucrats who, at the very least, perpetuate the system, as it were, and I think that is where the problem comes in. It is those people who are charged with creating and maintaining these systems that really are the ones who breed this systemic racism. So let's go through yet a few more examples of how it is that bureaucrats are the ones who are spoiling the, the, the soup, so to speak. It is the bureaucrats that continue to make life difficult for the rest of us. That should be no surprise. 
So if we want to talk about systemic racism, and Lewis and I did discuss the RCMP on Monday, and since Justin Trudeau and Christian Freeland very condescendingly told us that, yes, there is systemic racism, Commissioner Lucky, you were wrong when you said there was not, because there is systemic racism. And, of course, as we know, Brenda Lucky caved and said, okay, you're right, I was wrong, there is systemic racism. So let's go back about 25 years to talk about systemic racism in the RCMP. In the mid-1990s, the RCMP, Canada's National Police Force, made the very deliberate decision to stop hiring white males because they felt that the force was overrepresented with white males and in the in you know the new politically correct era that was ushered in in the 1980s employment equity they realized in their wisdom that the RCMP needed to reflect the Canadian population at large and in order to do that they could not be so dominated by white males so they just simply stopped hiring white males for a few years and strongly encouraged recruitment for more females, more visible minorities. And I guess that was their purview. And unfortunately with uh, employment equity, when you get into larger companies, they are they tend to set quotas for hiring. And this is what the RCMP had done. And there was a police aptitude test that was written. And in the, the, the 1990s, the, uh, people would apply, write the police aptitude test. Well, in order to even just to get an interview, white males had to score 115% on this aptitude test. Women had to score 96%. And visible minorities had to score 86% to get an interview. So there's not equality of opportunity necessarily, but they're certainly pushing for equality of outcomes, which is something that has been said many times by someone I admire even more than the previous two gentlemen I had mentioned, and that would be Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. And sticking with British Columbia, moving away from the RCMP, also in the 1990s, the British Columbia Provincial Fire Service decided they needed to have more women firefighters in the Provincial Fire fire Service. And these are the people that, that tend to fight the forest fires. That's the, the Provincial Fire Service rather than any certain specific municipality. And in order to get more women into the fire service, the uh, British Columbia provincial government decided that they would lower the standards on the physical test for women applicants and then maintain the standards where they were for the male applicants. So again, attempting to achieve equality of outcomes, but unfortunately, like with the RCMP example I just said, ramping up inequality in the testing. And it wasn't successful for the RCMP and it wasn't successful for the British Columbia Provincial Fire Service. Both organizations, thankfully, realized this and moved on. All right, let's go for one more example here of systemic racism in a system. Carleton University, we're going to go to 2008. It was actually in November of 2008. I remember this well. Um, it was actually covered on the Charles Adler radio show in whatever incarnation it 
was called at that point in time. The Students' Union at Carleton University had an annual fundraiser called Shrinerama, which they used to raise money for cystic fibrosis research. And in November of 2008, the Students' Union Council, in all their wisdom, decided they were going to cancel Shrinerama and not raise money for cystic fibrosis research because, and this was a quote and it's hilarious, because cystic fibrosis was not, as, as a disease, was not inclusive enough because it only affected white people and primarily white men. Now, of course, the backlash was absolutely enormous because, as it turns out, cystic fibrosis actually does not discriminate and it does affect both genders and it does affect people with all sorts of different melanin content in their skin. But just another example of a little bit of racism just sort of going amok. And and it's not that to say that any organization I've just referred to or any people I've referred to themselves are racist, although that certainly is possible. And that's what Lewis and I were talking about in our show Monday. I mean, it's possible that there were some racist cops out there who you know, had it out for person X or person Y. And just like in these previous examples I've just said, it's quite possible that there are, were people within these student union or in the hiring organizations who simply did not like, in these cases, white males. But really the bigger picture is the real racists are those bureaucrats who have set up and perpetuated this system. And it's not even that I think they're deliberately trying to discriminate. It just, it's one of those things where they, I guess they just set up a system believing they're doing good, not realizing what they are actually doing. And I'm not just saying this as a way to say poor white man being picked on or poor black man being picked on or whatever, whatever. It is just a matter of a system is run amok. And I can't even blame the politicians, although I would like to, because the politicians simply enact laws, for example, employment equity, and draft policies, and then expect bureaucrats to implement said policies, take them over, run with them. And then the politicians, of course tend to be exchanged after a decade or so, but the bureaucrats remain. And it is the bureaucrats that perpetuate, quote-unquote, the system. And I'm going to have to give one more example here because this is the one that has bothered me the most for so long. And you've heard Lewis and I refer to the Indian Act as the most racist piece of legislation possibly in the entire Western world. And I have to give one glaringly racist example of this disgusting piece of legislation. And that is from personal experience. A very good friend of mine in junior high school was of First Nations descent. And I remember being at his house, he lived with his grandparents, and they got a letter in the mail one day that that said, and they all had a good laugh about it because I remember his grandma saying, oh, we got our letter today. We're all Indians now. And because they didn't know that before. In order to become a status Indian, it's not good enough just to be born 
native, indigenous, aboriginal, whichever label you wish to put to it, they actually have to apply to the government and the government has to say, okay, yes, now, because we say so, now you are Indian. Can you think of anything more ridiculous to become a Canadian citizen of any stripe? All you have to do is be born in Canada. But being born Indian is not good enough actually to be Indian. You need to ask the government if it is okay for you to be Indian. And that's the problem when you allow bureaucrats to dictate to us how we should live, how we should think. Because now you've got bureaucrats who have set up a system that is absolutely ridiculous. And you look at now what's going on is everything is about racism. And it just makes me think, oh, look, he's a racist, she's a racist, he's a racist, they're a racist. Wouldn't you like to be a racist too? Everywhere you look, the, the people are looking for racism. It's like back in the McCarthy days, instead of looking for communists around every corner, now we're looking for racists around every corner. And it's not even the fault of the people who are doing the hunting, although they've been been brainwashed into the system, but it is the system. And it's the system itself that is racist. And it is the system that itself that is asking us to look for racists everywhere, even though, by and large, they don't exist. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the problem, is that it's the system that's racist. And you can call it systematic racism all you want, but it's not systematic. It is the system. And how do you change the system? Well, maybe we need to look back to the Romans. Back in the Roman Empire days, when the Romans would take over a city, they would get rid of all the politicians, all the lawyers, They would put in their own people and their own bureaucrats to turn this new city into a Roman city. When a new emperor would take over, he would get rid of the entire bureaucracy and put his own people in. And maybe that's what we need to start doing here is when a government changes, maybe we need to get rid of the bureaucracy so we can actually clean up a little bit of corruption, which then makes me start to wonder about these whole ideas about draining of the swamp, draining the canal is not a bad idea. Maybe it wouldn't hurt to start all over again and recreate the system every time we get a new government so that at least the only thing that would be symptomatic or systematic, sorry, would actually be change. And you know what? Right now, all I can think is that change would be really good. and Tony.